Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We go out to the Bud Light guest line to find Peter King, who will also be arriving next Sunday at Levi Stadium. Peter, we were just uh, told that you're going to be out here for the game next week, so I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, um, you know, what I, over the years, what I've found out is that <clears throat> very often the last game of the weekend is the one that is really heavily on people's minds when they wake up Monday morning. And what I found this week, uh, because I wrote a little something on all three of the game, all four of the, the, uh, uh, the last four of the games, I should say, of the weekend. And what I find is that you wake up Monday morning and you're asking a lot of questions and talking a lot about that last game. And, like, I got Joe Burrow last night to talk about what it was, uh, you know, what it was going to be like to go to Buffalo and to have that Cincinnati-Buffalo game, um, which... I mean, a lot of people in Cincinnati are very upset that the game is in Buffalo versus, you know, having a coin flip for it or whatever the, the precedent the league set. But uh, so anyway, it'll be this will be a fun weekend. And I think the games this weekend, whoever goes to San Francisco, whether it's Tom Brady going to San Francisco, uh, you know, amazing. He went so long in his career without playing 49ers out there, and now he could play him twice in six weeks in California. So uh, we'll see what happens tonight, but I think it, I, I think whoever the 49ers welcome in next week, that's going to be a really fun game late Sunday. Well, and let's face it, if the NFL has its druthers, they'd love to see 49ers and Cowboys because nobody brings more eyeballs to the party than the Dallas Cowboys, plus the history just between the two teams in the postseason. And look, when it comes to the 49ers, Peter, you know, this is a, rightfully so, it was cast as a story about defense with an offense that was kind of coming along for the ride. And that's the way the entire year played itself out. All of a sudden now here with Brock Purdy, there is a level of offense that is happening with a level of routine as far as it popping up to where it's... Like, if you liked the 49ers two, three weeks ago, you got to like them even more this week because they just rolled up 500 yards to go along with an off uh, defense that once it started forcing turnovers, that entire game changed on a dime. It was, a, it was such an interesting game, I thought, because at halftime, I was convinced 
that uh, that this was going to be a great four-quarter game. And then I think what really changed everything, and I was glad to see, um, you know, I was glad to see a lot of credit for a guy who doesn't get much of any credit, I'm sure, because of all the star power inside the 49ers. Charles, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Omenahue. You nailed it. Um, yeah, but, you know, he was one of my players of the week this week because that was the key play in this football game. You know, when he forced that uh, turnover, uh, you know, Geno Smith, I think that changed everything about this game. So to me, I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the depth also of the 49ers right now because that is one of those things that has really shown up and shown up in a big way as this year has gone on. Um, Kyle Shanahan has always, since you talked about depth, Kyle Shanahan has always shown when he constructs a roster a huge bias toward running backs and toward defensive linemen. Uh, When you see what they've done this year, and maybe last year to a certain extent, is this a trend that you think is going to become league-wide, or is he just better at doing the thing that all other general managers like to do? Well, I think the 49ers have had some rotten luck when it comes to running backs. I mean, you go back to Jarek McKinnon. He was a big free agent acquisition, whatever year it was, 18 or 19, and he, they just could not keep him on the field. And it's sad, honestly, when you look at uh, what could have been, because now you look at McKinnon in Andy Reid's offense, and he's the golden child. (laughs) You know, and imagine had he stayed healthy, what could have happened, uh, you know, in San Francisco with him. Um, But I, I just, I'm sort of convinced that Kyle Shanahan... Uh, has understood the need for depth at positions that get hurt a lot. Running backs, it's hard to keep them on the field all the time, and it's certainly hard uh, to keep defensive linemen with big bodies flying all around. Uh, You know, it's hard to keep them healthy. So I just think it's a calculated risk uh, that Shanahan and Lynch have taken and I think it's paying off this year. Well, look at the calculated risk they took to bring in Christian McCaffrey and what he has yeah. done. I mean, I know it's late in the season uh, to install or take someone who's only played half a season with someone and say they truly deserve MVP consideration. But Christian McCaffrey, he truly deserves MVP consideration. I, I mean, how, how, do, how would you like to assign, you know, what would you like to assign to the word value? Because I don't know if anyone's value has changed a team's prospects as much as Christian McCaffrey has. And after he, I, I mean, I don't know if Kyle was playing the day or the game or Pete backwards by giving him something to look at before he let him touch it. But McCaffrey does not touch the ball on the 49ers opening drive and they settle for a field goal. His first touch is just emblematic of what he has done to this team. His first touch is 68 yards around the left side, blocking everywhere was hat on a hat and after two possessions and McCaffrey getting involved in in the second possession it's 10 nothing 49ers just like that i mean he 
truly is one of, if he is healthy, the great players in this league. And, you know, my only question when the 49ers acquired him and paid a pretty big price for him, my only question was, I think when he's healthy, he will be a great addition to this team and he will be a great person uh, to really help this team uh, have a peace that it had not had. And, And so I think what is really interesting about McCaffrey is his physicality and his ability to outrun people to the outside but also get an extra two or three yards in the middle. You know, the the one play that did not get nearly, it didn't get talked about enough because it was only a nine-yard gain. But it so perfectly encapsulates how important he is to this team. Remember the run that he had where, uh, you know, he sort of breaks around left end and uh, there's nothing there, and he waits and waits and waits. And a lot of a lot of backs would have just said, "Okay, look, I'm going to burrow, you know, into into a linebacker here and try to get a yard and a half or two yards." And he said, "No, I'm not doing that. I've got good enough instincts, and I'm tough enough, and I'm strong enough that I am going to cut back all the way across the field." I'm going to get a block from George Kittle, and I'm going to try to make something big of this. Now, he didn't make anything big of it, but nine yards is better than a zero-yard gain. And that is who he is. I talked to Kittle after the game, and we talked about that exact run. And he said, one of the things he said that was interesting, I think, is that he said early on, that was not the kind of play that McCaffrey was making. But now... He really knows our offense. He's got incredible confidence in what he can do in this offense. And that was a perfect example. Like, after I heard Kittle talk, I said to myself, okay, that first game or two when he played in November, maybe, maybe he just burrows his head and tries to get a yard. But now he's very familiar with the scheme. He's very familiar with who's going to be blocking who. And he goes back and he ends up getting nine yards out of it. And uh, I, I don't know. I thought that was a real significant play just for McCaffrey's meaning for this team. Um, speaking of the 49er offense in general, which of these two teams, Dallas or Tampa, is going to give the 49er offense more trouble under normal circumstances? Uh I think Dallas, because I think Dallas, I, I mean, first of all, Dallas has the singular player who can wreck a game on defense in Micah Parsons. I don't think Tampa Bay has a Micah Parsons. I, they don't have a Micah Parsons. Um, but the one thing that Tampa Bay does have is Tampa Bay has an excellent secondary that's getting healthy at the right time. If they if they win this game and come out of this game healthy, in my opinion, I, I think Tampa would really be a challenge. 
uh, for Brock Purdy and for Kyle Shanahan to solve. Peter King joining us here on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. And I'll tell you, the Brock Purdy experience has been a lot easier to enjoy than anyone could have possibly imagined. Kyle Shanahan, hell, let's face it, Brock Purdy's parents couldn't have imagined he would fit so well as we've seen it. I mean, he just, Peter, he adds on Mississippi's to plays with his scrambling ability that is, you know, either going to create the catch part three. I mean, if Brandon Ayuk held on to that ball in the back of the end zone, this kid's got his signature career highlight that already. Was, can, can, I, can I just make one comment about that play? Sure. To me, okay, that play goes down as an incompletion. That really symbolizes everything about Brock Purdy that you love, okay? And and I'll and I'll tell you because there's three things involved in that play that when I saw it, I and immediately uh, I clicked back, okay, and I got my little iPhone out with the stopwatch on it, and I timed it, and it was I, I forget, like a le- I wrote about so twelve it. seconds. I, yeah, yeah, it was you know I had it like at eleven point six or eleven point something, but but anyway. But here's what is significant about that. Imagine the confidence that Brock Purdy has to have in himself, okay, to be able to make that play. And and I think I think one of the things that I loved about it is that it looked like he looked at all four receivers multiple times on that play and then he finally threw a bullet a perfect throw um in the corner of the end zone to brandon Ayuk. it was a tough catch but you know i thought i should have caught it but but be that as it may everything about that play just said great things about who brock purdy is and how he plays if we and, were, uh... and 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 the one other thing i, I just wanted to add uh, and i don't mean to interrupt you but the one other thing i wanted to add is that after the game, I talked to uh, I talked to George Kittle, and we talked about that play. We talked about a bunch of plays, but one of the things that that I pointed out to him, and that he commented on eloquently, was about how Brock Purdy is good in large part, and we have talked about this because of the forty eight starts he had in a Power Five conference, you know, at Iowa State. And, and, and as Kittle told me, he goes, you know what? A lot about being great in the NFL, particularly at quarterback, is failure and handling failure. And this guy in the first half of that game the other day against Seattle had some tough moments. And, you know, but, but, you know, as Kittle said, you know, he's got to be thinking, I've been through this before. I've been through stuff exactly like this before. And so that's why he was sure that Brock Purdy was going to come out in the second half and be, uh, and be, you know, who Brock Purdy has shown himself to be, you know, in his first six games. So I thought that was a good point by Kittle that a lot, especially about quarterbacking, is about learning to handle failure. And about after having that failure, knowing that you can come back and have success. Talking about failure, and I want to go macro here. 
which coach should feel the most like a failure today? John Harbaugh, uh, Kevin O'Connell, or Mike McDaniel? How come you didn't give me Brandon Staley as a as an option? <laughs> because I think he's cursed. I think he joined a yeah. franchise that is like the Chicago Chicago Cubs that can yeah. never win yeah. no matter what. Except they but did. If, but if you want to throw in throw in Staley, go ahead, throw him in too. I I think you know. First of all, I, let me just I'll say one sentence about my three runners up. And then I'll give you the guy who should feel bad. Um, I, you know, look, John Harbaugh was trying to win a game with both hands tied behind his back, and it just—it's going to be very, very hard, even in a rivalry game like that, to win a game with Tyler Huntley. Okay, so that would be one. Kevin O'Connell, look, they could not block the Giants' front. It's hard for Kevin O'Connell to take the blame for that. They had a tough time, especially with Dexter Lawrence. And and look, as far as Staley goes, I just don't think he had enough defensive pieces to stop uh, an offense that started to play well. The guy I've got a real problem with coming out of yesterday is Mike McDaniel. A big, big problem. Can you please tell me why... Uh, a guy who looked like he was uh, in pretty good shape during the course of the year when he did play, uh, you know, Skylar Thompson, how come they could not get plays off? How come they were consistently uh, late, you know, on the play clock? That last drive was one of the most maddening drives I've ever seen in my life for a very simple reason. You know, that quarterback was not prepared to play well in that game. And that goes, and look, you say, how in the world did they keep that game close, you know, against Buffalo? And I think the biggest reason is they were able to get three turnovers, and it was not a particularly sharp day for uh, for the Buffalo Bills. But I would blame uh, McDaniel more than anybody else for his team's preparedness coming into that game. It certainly took a long time to get that fourth down play in. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Um, you know, when you look around at... Look, I just think that Joe Burrow and company were in position to lose a game to Baltimore because they weren't any, you know ball of fire offensively. Right. You talked about the problems that Buffalo's having offensively. It's hard to say that Kansas City's having offensive problems, but they're certainly not averaging 37 points per game over their last six games. But Brock Purdy and the Niners are. They've been yeah. billed, appropriately so, as the best, off, uh, the best defense in the league all year long. What happens if the 49ers have the best offense in this league now, too? They're they're going to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> you know. I mean, let's see what I'm really really curious to see what Philadelphia does Saturday night. And I say that. Don't you think they could lose that game? I do. I like. I think the Giants are rolling in hot, and Philly's a little. Yeah. Again, maybe the Giants peak really remind me of you know the Giants. And again, I don't mean that they're going to win the Super Bowl. But the Giants remind me of those 
two teams that got hot that were not the best teams in football uh, in 2007 and 2011 when they went on to beat the Patriots both times in the Super Bowl. That is what this reminds me of. They entered the playoffs as good teams, you know, twice as they had a good team. But they, no one thought they had a great team. And it's the same thing now. Their first playoff game, you saw Daniel Jones looking like a top-flight NFL quarterback. No one until the last month or so has ever thought that Daniel Jones was going to be a top-flight NFL quarterback. And now he looks like it. And it's a tribute to the guy I voted Coach of the Year over Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dable. Uh, you know, in my opinion, he took an awful, awful team and, uh, you know, has done a lot with it. So I think the Giants have got a shot on Saturday night, no question. Okay, you brought up coaches, so I'll just ask out and out. Are you surprised that Jim Harbaugh passed on the NFL this time? A little bit, uh, but I don't, I mean, I don't know, I don't know him well, and so... I don't know what all went into that. You know what I mean? I don't know what went into that, uh, to his decision, whether it was all money, whether his agent told him, look, you're not getting this job. I I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I thought he was going to end up with one of these NFL jobs. I, so I am surprised a little bit. Peter King on Damon and Ratto, and I saw that D'Amico Ryans has four interviews set up this week. I'm I'm guessing these are virtual or Zoom meetings. Yeah. They better be. But Texans, Colts, Broncos, Cardinals. Um, does it feel abstract that he would sign up for all four? Or you know, it feels like it's it's pretty common to say, hey, while we're coaching postseason games, we're going to postpone interviews. Or the does D'Amico's not in that and in, in, in that position to operate from yet? The unfortunate thing is, the NFL should 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 have fixed this problem and chose not to. Because all of the teams uh, who have lost basically leaned on the NFL and said, uh, you know, we want to be able to, to take care of our business before the middle of February. We want to get our coach hired so that we can start on preparation for next year. And look, I understand why they do that, but it is absolutely, totally, unequivocally unfair to the uh, to the teams that employ them, and look, here's the only reason why, in my opinion, like I just don't like this. It's it's because now, you know, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, D'Amico Ryan's is going to have his attention in two different places, probably five different places this week. Okay. I just don't like it. It's not fair to the 49ers. And D'Amico Ryans is a great guy. He's an excellent coach. He deserves to be a head coach in the NFL. But all of this stuff should be handled uh, on February 15th. You know, not on January, whatever today is, 16th. It's, it's wrong. And the NFL, uh, I, I, you know, look. I will hate to see if if uh, if that defense doesn't play well 
uh, in the playoff game this weekend because, in my opinion, it would be a natural thing to ask, uh, well, you know, did did all this time D'Amico Ryan's use to prepare for these interviews have anything? Everybody's going to say no. It had nothing to do with it. It's human nature. It just is. It's it's wrong. It's not D'Amico Ryan's fault. Unfortunately, he's just playing the game the way the NFL stupidly has set it up. Um, stupidity aside, is there a job out there that's a perfect fit for him, or is this more sort of an exercise in learning more about what owners and general managers want in interviews and that he should be thinking more about next year than this? I mean, I, it's hard to it's hard to tell. I mean, so the other day, Raheem Morris had a four-hour Zoom meeting with the Indianapolis Colts, and I heard that uh, Raheem Morris blew him away and that they really like him. Uh, I have no idea if he's going to get the job. I don't know who's going to get any of these jobs. I don't cover this the way I used it. But what what usually happens is that it becomes a match and the and the two sides really end up getting along well. Uh and they and they say, "Boy, I could really work with this guy." And so that's what it comes down to. Will it happen with D'Amico Ryan's? I don't know. Nobody knows. But uh he certainly is worth uh, somebody giving him a job. He's ready. He, and and look, I I think I think that he. The one thing I would really want to know if I were him, and if I were the team, I would really want to know um, who's going to do the offensive staff. Who, who's going to be my my offensive staff? Who's going to be the quarterback guru? and who's going to be my quarterback. I wouldn't worry about the defense. He'll figure that out. Same way Robert Sala figured out the defense with the Jets. If Robert Sala doesn't make it with the Jets, it'll be because of the offense. So therefore, that's what I'd be most concerned with right now if I were D'Amico Ryans. Final question for you, Peter. Since we're talking about time, hours committed to prepare, so on and so forth, I saw it brought up by Dove Kleiman this weekend. He tweeted, you know, it didn't seem entirely fair that the winners of Cowboys Bucks will go against the 49ers who played early on Saturday and gained basically two extra days of rest with more time to prepare. It's a competitive disadvantage. This is the playoffs, not the regular season. Do you think there is an inherent competitive disadvantage to whoever comes in to the 49ers on Sunday? Look, the 49ers had a disadvantage because they had a short week uh, to prepare for the Seahawks. And so now the 49ers get the extra day. All right. And look, the Bucks and the Cowboys had an extra day to prepare for this game. Right. And the fact that it's a night game, it's almost an extra day and a third of rest and of getting off your feet and getting ready for a game. So I think that's a ridiculous point to make. Once the NFL said, we're going to play a Monday night football game in the playoffs, once they said that, then you have to understand that there's a chance that on one end, you're going to get a benefit, and on the other end, you're going to get jobbed a little bit. 
So I have no sympathy whatsoever. The 49ers had a short week the first time and now have a longer week. And they can't control who wins or loses the games. If the Vikings won yesterday, they'd be playing a team with absolutely normal rest for a game. That's that's the way life goes. I, I, I don't I, I'm not I'm not into that. There you go. Uh, whatever, you know. That's the way the cookie crumbles, according to Peter yep. King. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, Peter. Thank you very much for joining us. And we're either going to have 49ers Cowboys or 49ers versus Tom Brady. Either way, it's good for business around here. Thank you so very much. Sounds great, guys. Thanks a lot. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.